Welcome to the Basana Health and Wellness Podcast. At Basana Health, we focus on whole body wellness, connecting physical, spiritual, and mental well-being. We are wellness collaborators with our members, and we embrace our community partnerships. Basana Health promotes holistic and functional care while focusing on transformative lifestyle changes. Welcome to our podcast, where you can take a virtual step towards optimizing your own health and wellness. Welcome to the Basana Health and Wellness Podcast, episode number 18. Today we hear from Dr. Ashley Spooner, dentist with Falcon Park Dental Group, and we will discuss how chronic inflammation and the mouth body are connected. Today's discussion will talk about the critical role oral health and sleep play in our total body health. Listen in and learn about chronic inflammation and the mouth body connection. Hi, my name is Ashley Spooner. I am the owner and a dentist at Falcon Park Dental Group in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. I am excited to be able to talk with you today about the mouth-body connection and the role that chronic inflammation plays in your overall health. Our goal today is to be able to really dive in and discuss why your oral health and sleep health is so important and hopefully help you find some answers and find some places to go to feel healthier and happier overall. I will share my screen now and we'll get started. So today we're here to talk about chronic inflammation and the mouth-body connection. This is so important to be able to discuss really what oral health does and why sleep is so important and plays a role in our total body health. Again, I am the owner dentist at Falcon Park Dental Group. I am also a diplomat with the American Board of Dental Sleep Medicine. I focus a lot on overall health with my patients. So not just a tooth mechanic and not just fixing things that are broken, but also really figuring out what is the underlying cause of why people feel the way they do. I truly am the quarterback for my patients. They see me more often than they oftentimes see their physicians. And a lot of patients just don't know what questions to ask and don't know that they could feel better than they actually do. And so my goal in my practice and with all of my providers is that we're able to help our patients know what they don't know and help them get to the places that they need to go. Today we're here to discuss what is the connection between oral health and overall health. We also want to discuss and just have you be aware of what major health conditions are related to poor oral health and how sleep and fatigue can also affect your overall health. There are many different types of tools that are available to you to be able to be more preventative versus reactive in this whole approach. Ultimately, I just want you to be able to have the knowledge, know the questions to ask, and be able to be an advocate for your own care. We cannot have good general health without oral health. This is a a Surgeon General report and stressing that it is so important that we must have good oral health for overall health. Healthcare really begins in the mouth. Healthcare begins with the dentist. There's been a spike in research that supports that oral health and its connection to whole body health. We refer to this as the oral systemic link or oral systemic health. We're gonna dive right in. Inflammation is really the root cause of all major diseases. 
Testing for inflammation is a key to evaluating underlying systemic problems. And inflammation is the root cause of all major disease. It is important that we know where the inflammation is coming from and how we treat it. So what are some causes of inflammation? There's many different causes, but things that we are specifically looking at are bacteria. So karyogenic bacteria means bacteria that causes decay in the teeth or cavity. We're looking for abscesses, so teeth that may need root canals. Persistent abscesses are things that happen a lot that we see. Genetics are also a factor. And what we found is that we can actually change some of those things. So again, that comprehensive medical history is so important because the more information that we have, the better that we can help you as our patient. We also look at diabetes. We look at sleep apnea, gum disease, the bacteria that causes gum disease, history of arthritis, smoking, secondhand smoke, and stress. Again, this list is somewhat limited, but these are some of the pretty common things that we're looking at. We'll discuss a little bit later, but there's so many different ways that we're able to screen for all of these types of conditions. And again, we're trying to get to the underlying cause of what's happening. Once we get to the underlying cause, that allows us to be able to come up with a plan to help you reduce inflammation, have something that's easier to maintain, and just, again, help you be healthier and happier overall. There are 120 systemic diseases that start in your mouth. This is a big reason why in 2016, there were a handful of senators that signed a letter that asked for Medicare coverage of medical necessity oral health care because we're seeing the impact that oral health has on the severity of chronic disease and related illnesses. These are including but not limited to cardiovascular disease, diabetes, oral cancer, and Alzheimer's. What we know, according to the CDC, is that the top eight leading causes of death are heart disease, cancer, lower respiratory diseases, including bronchitis, emphysema, and asthma, stroke, accidents, Alzheimer's disease, diabetes, influenza, and pneumonia. Seven of the eight of these conditions are linked to inflammation, the enzymes, and the bacteria in the oral cavity. Seven to eight of the top leading causes of death are linked to inflammation in your mouth. So again, we get back to the mouth-body connection. It's all connected. 80% of what goes on in the rest of your body starts in your mouth. Not only does it start with what we put into our body, and that's a whole different discussion as far as what we eat, what supplementation we have, and there's many experts for that as well, but also how do we take care of our bodies? How do we take care of our mouth? We all have exercise programs. We hopefully have good sleep hygiene. There's other things that we do to take care of our overall health. Again, brushing and flossing and seeing your dentist on a regular basis should be one of those. It is all connected. Here's a, just a good visual as far as what can be going on. And so the mouth, of course, you have a greater risk of having decay. In the brain, 
So periodontal disease is linked to Alzheimer's and dementia. We are seeing specific bacteria that we know is correlated with gum disease in our dementia patients. We know that you're four and a half times more likely to suffer from a stroke if you have gum disease. You're 2.6 times, almost three times more likely to develop Alzheimer's. And that's not even including those patients who have potential sleep apnea as well. You're at greater risk for a heart attack. You're at greater risk for coronary artery disease. You're great at risk for chronic lung infections. We just talked about you're at greater risk of severe complications or even death from COVID. At greater risk for diabetes. Men are at greater risk of erectile function. And women are at greater risk of having complications for pregnancy. This includes preterm births, miscarriages, and low birth weights. People with gum disease are 25% more likely to develop heart disease. Again, this is related back to what bacteria is getting into the bloodstream from the gums and it can pass through and it can be invasive to our blood vessels. Every 40 seconds, someone dies from cardiovascular disease. It's the leading cause of death worldwide. Infections in your mouth are the most common diseases that humans get, and they're a key risk factor for heart disease. Heart disease also claims more lives than all forms of cancer combined. The more bacteria that you have in your mouth, the greater risk you are to increase the thickness of your arteries, which also increases your risk of heart attack by approximately 80%. Really what this relates to is your daily brushing and flossing, making sure you don't have soft plaque around your gum line is where we most often see this, but also making sure of getting the floss in between your teeth because that plaque likes to hang out, right? Where that tooth and the gum connects together. And that's then when we start to see chronic inflammation when it's not cleaned on a daily basis. Additional research found that when you have this greater thickness of your arteries, there's also an increasing proportion of bacteria in your plaque. People who have gum disease are also more likely to have diabetes or also ischemic heart disease. When you start to have these types of bacteria in your body's chronically inflamed, this can also lead to insulin resistance. When you start to get insulin resistance, that's what starts to lead to diabetes. Diabetes then, when it progresses, reduces your inflammatory response and it's harder to be able to heal. This not only happens in other areas, a cut or anything like that in your body, but it can also happen in your mouth. With patients who have severe gum disease, they're 4.3 times more likely to have a stroke. Again, we start seeing this bacteria. This bacteria starts to cause thickness and it starts to cause buildup 
and then it, it causes a risk that you're going to have a blockage, which causes a stroke. So I hear this a lot with my patients that ask, well, how many people do you see that have gum disease? How many people have this issue? Over half of the Americans that are over 30 have some form of gum disease. Now, this doesn't mean that it's severe or that they have teeth falling out, but there are, you can still have localized areas of gum disease as well, and it's just as important to treat those localized areas as it is to treat somebody who has severe general gum disease in their entire mouth. What we also start to see with this is that those with gum disease are at greater risk for arthritis. The reason that this happens is a process that's called hypercitrullinization. <laughs> Hard word to say. What happens here is that there's antibodies that show up um, and they precede the onset of disease. We start to see this and it's an indicator that these abnormal proteins are sparking an immune system response. When they spark this immune system response, not only do we see this as far as starting to lose bone around your teeth, starting to have inflammation in your gums, but we also start to see this in the joints. And when we see this process happening, we know the bacteria that can start this process and it starts to eat away again, just much like it does for periodontal disease, it can start to eat away at your tendons and your joints and cause the pain of arthritis. I mentioned dementia earlier. What we start to see with patients with Alzheimer's and dementia is it becomes much more difficult to have good oral hygiene. So then we have that buildup of plaque that we discussed before. But it also starts then, we start to see this bacteria in the brain. Patients who start to have this de decline in their health then are at greater risk of having tooth loss. When you have tooth loss, it's harder to get to the nutrition that you need. And it's also where we start to get more bacteria getting into the bloodstream and traveling to other areas of the body, causing chronic inflammation. What we've seen here is that studies are showing that the risk of dementia is increased by about four times in patients who have less teeth. This documentation says that, again, it's likely due to the decline in the ability to care and oral hygiene is just more difficult for somebody who has dementia. Alzheimer's is irreversible and so we wanna make sure that we prevent this as much as possible. Again, what we can do is we can help prevent tooth loss. How we prevent tooth loss is we prevent gum disease. We prevent decay. We just make sure that we're more preventative versus reactive. Now moving on, we discuss the risk of pregnancy. Pregnant mothers with periodontal disease are at much greater risk of preterm birth, or babies with low birth weight, and even miscarriages. Pregnancy gingivitis is real. 
what can happen is that you start to have your hormones thrown off. You just start to get more inflammation. We see this a lot. The biggest thing is that we want to catch this and we want to treat it as much as possible prior to having the baby. You're at three times greater risk of preterm birth or low birth weight pregnancy with moms who have just pregnancy gingivitis. You're at eight times the risk if you have periodontitis. Periodontitis is gum disease where you've lost bone. Gingivitis is inflammation in the gums that is reversible. We want to reverse it, and there's many different ways we can do so, but we need to be able to see it. Patients who come to my practice who are pregnant, uh, oftentimes dental insurance will actually cover additional cleanings because we know this correlation. And so we do recommend that pregnant women have their teeth cleaned every three months during pregnancy. Again, so we can keep a tight eye on everything. And if there is chronic inflammation present, if the gums are bleeding more, if they're sensitive, we wanna be able to treat it right then and there to reduce that bacteria. What we know is if we allow this bacteria to stay there is that we've seen that the placenta of babies that were born preterm, we see the bacteria from gingivitis and periodontal disease. Porphyromona gingivalis, a PG, is again one of those very strong bacteria that we see. We test for this as well to watch. What happens when we see this bacteria is then there's a lower transfer of nutrients to the baby and there can be a premature rupture of the membranes. This again, leading to low birth weight, possible miscarriages. I have a story from a colleague that is just amazing. We do what's called oral DNA testing, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But she was doing oral DNA testing for her patient, and this patient had miscarriage four times. She was on her last, last straw. She still wanted to try. She wanted to give it one last time. So we did the oral DNA testing. The oral DNA testing showed very high PG. And by reducing that PG and treating her inflammation in her mouth, she was able to get pregnant. She carried the baby full term and has a very healthy baby now. So this is real and it, it, it happens and we see it and we see what we can do. We have other stories of patients who have drug resistant hypertension. So meaning that they're taking blood pressure medication, but it's not working or having to continue to up it or add additional blood pressure medications and still the blood pressure is high. When we do these tests and we see the bacteria that's in the mouth and we're able to reduce that bacteria, we oftentimes can get patients to a place where they can be managing their blood pressure with proper medications, usually less medication, less dosage, and sometimes even completely getting off medication. There's a lot that goes on and there's a lot that we can test for now and see and be able to help our patients. So again, by us being able to treat gum disease, get rid of the bacteria, get rid of the chronic inflammation. We're able to reduce the risk of miscarriage and we're able to reduce preterm and low weight babies by 80%.
What we know is 40% of pregnant women have some sort of gum disease, whether that's periodontal disease, again, with bone loss, or gingivitis, which is inflammation that's reversible. And so treating this, we can have a great reduction in complications. So moving forward, beyond bacteria, we also want to make sure that we are looking and screening for oral cancer and being able to look and make sure that we don't see something suspicious. Oral cancer kills about one person per hour, 24 hours a day. Us doing our screenings within the office when you come in for your regular exams is early detection. We utilize different types of oral cancer screening. So of course we have our visual, we feel for lumps and bumps, but we also have further technology. We have technology called the Velscope, which I'll show a picture of here in a minute, but this can help with early detection as well. And it allows me to see abnormalities that I actually cannot see with my naked eye. So after all of this discussion of the inflammation of the bacteria and what we see and how we know it's related to everything, we wanna make sure that we're preventing inflammation. We're preventing high complications from cancers versus reacting. Number one, this starts with regular dental exams. But number two, it starts with utilizing all of this technology that we have at our fingertips. I, in my office, take pride in everything that we're able to offer, but it also has a meaning as well. So I'm not just offering a service just because it's out there. It's because there is a meaning of why, and it helps me further uncover other things. And I recognize as well that some of these things are not in my wheelhouse. But through working with other like-minded clinicians and collaborating with my medical community, I'm able to then help my patients get to where they need to go, know the questions to ask, and really just help be a supportive person for them to know that they can ask questions and I can help them. I'm very fortunate to have great relationships with physicians in the community who also have the same philosophy of being preventive versus reactive. And that is where I truly feel that working together with patients, helping inform patients, that we can all help our community be healthier and happier overall. So how do we find these things that we're talking about? What is available? What are things that you can utilize and ask for so you know that you're getting the best screening and the best preventative care? Having a accurate and most Fulfilled medical history is so, so important. Please take that to heart and please provide your, your physicians, your dentist, whoever you may be seeing with the most information that you can, including family history, including just overall how you're feeling, what medications you're taking. Even if you're taking vitamins and supplements, that's important for us to be able to know of what are the things you're taking and why. This helps us to really uncover your story and it helps us to help you. Regular dental exams are so important. A minimum of every six months for our periodontal disease patients and our 
patients who have higher inflammation or just at higher risk with other medical conditions, every three months is going to be the recommendation. Again, as we see you, that is something that we're able to really customize what is the best treatment course for you. And that may change over time. Sometimes you may be on every six months. Sometimes it may go to three because something's changed. That's okay. We see periodontal disease as something that's episodic. And so at some point in time, it may be well-maintained. At other points in time, the body may be having trouble fighting the infection. There may be more stress. You just may be more inflamed overall. That's when we need to kick it into gear and see you more often. Again, we talked about the Velscope oral screening. The Velscope is so important to be able to see things that I wouldn't be able to see by just looking. We have great lights, we have our mirrors, we have special glasses, but the Velscope is really what helps me to see further and see what's going on. One of our newer technologies in my office, and this is actually coming here at the end of March, so we're very excited, is cone beam. What cone beam is, is it's a 3D x-ray. What we've seen with 2D x-rays, the general x-rays that you see in a dental office, is that we are unable to see certain aspects of what a 3D x-ray shows us. We've uncovered so much more chronic infection with these 3D x-rays. We're also able to see fractures. We're able to look at your sinuses. We're able to see your airway. There's many different aspects that we weren't able to see with our two-dimensional x-rays that we can now see. Once I get this technology in my office, every patient will get a 3D x-ray at least once. And then if we have any suspicions of any infection or abnormalities going on, we will continue to repeat those on an as-needed basis. But this is a, an amazing step in technology. It's an amazing step in us being able to make sure that we're detecting any potential infections, anything that could be a negatively affecting overall health. I talked a little bit about how we can test for the different types of bacteria in somebody's mouth. What that is called is that's called oral DNA testing. And I'll show you a screen that shows exactly what that is, but this allows us to test the bacteria in somebody's mouth. It shows me exactly what bacteria is there, how much of it is there. And then that helps us to determine, do we need to incorporate antibiotics for a short period of time during care? Do we need to incorporate other modalities, including laser treatments or irrigation? Do we need to be seeing you more often? This allows us to also retest. And so we can see, are the things that we've done working? Oral DNA testing is a great communication tool for me to provide for patients as well who are seeing cardiologists who are seeing oncologists, who have diabetes. All of those things are related as we've just discussed. And so being able to show this and show what we're doing and show the bacterial levels, this helps physicians also determine a good care plan for overall health. We also take a look at sleep wellness. We're gonna dive deep into that here in a minute. Sleep wellness is so important. Good sleep hygiene is so important. And us screening and making sure that we are treating when appropriate is prolonging the life of our patients that they didn't even know that they had a problem. 
And last but not least is being able to collaborate with everybody in the community, collaborating with other physicians, collaborating with other modalities that can help reduce stress, that increases overall health, increases energy, increases mental wellness. All of these things go together, and that's the ultimate goal, is that we all collaborate together to be able to help all of us in our community be well-informed and for all of us to be healthier and happier overall. Here's an example of the Bellscope. And so, again, if you take a look at the pictures, if I were to just look with my naked eye and look with a light, I don't see anything on, that per on the roof of that person's mouth. As I go in with the Velscope, I'm able to see something. What this does is it uses essentially a fluorescent light and it's able to excite the tissues. And so tissues that have abnormalities generally excite more and then that's when something will show up. Generally shows up as a dark area like you see in the bottom picture there or sometimes bacteria and those types of things can show up orange. So I can tell if somebody's not brushing their tongue adequately, or I can see in the back of somebody's throat, they might have a sore throat um, based off of seeing some orange back there. Then we're able to have discussions from there. If I start to see something that looks suspicious, then sometimes this can be to burning your mouth. Sometimes it can be to poking yourself. Sometimes it can be to brushing too hard. Of course, we want to be heightened and aware of these things, but we also don't want to be over alarming. Generally, in situations like this, we'll wait seven to 10 days, we'll have the patient come back, we'll take a look again. If it's still there, then that's when we may have a discussion about seeing a specialist to take a further look at it. If it's resolved, then we know it was just a trauma and the body's healed and we're okay. Here's an example of that CBCT that we talked about. So it allows us to see the teeth, the jaw, and all surrounding structures in three-dimensional space. This is very helpful for us, not only in surgery, but in detecting infection and also being able to evaluate the airway also. Here's an example of an oral DNA report. I know it's very small on the screen. Um, really the idea here is to show that we test for the bacteria. What this is is a simple saliva test. And so you swish and spit with some salt water, we send it off to the lab, and the lab sends us this report. What this report tells us is out of the most common bacteria in the mouth and the most common destructive bacteria in the mouth, how much of bacteria is there and what do we need to do with it? Again, on the right side there, it shows what are these bacteria related to and how can they affect different areas of the body. So when we start to see some of the higher levels and we start to look at what are the conditions of our specific patient, this really, again, helps us to uncover why some of these conditions could be happening. Why is the patient taking a blood pressure medication and it's still not working? Why has the patient had trouble getting pregnant? Why, for a man, why is he having trouble with erectile dysfunction? So are all things we don't necessarily want to talk about, and I know a lot of people think, well, I would never tell my dentist that, but we can help. And 
there's so much related here, which is truly exciting for us to be able to uncover and help you feel better, feel healthier and reduce medications or even potentially get off of medications. So I've discussed a little bit about sleep apnea and we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that now. Approximately 30 million Americans have some sort of sleep apnea and 80%, which this has actually increased now, this was back in 2017, by now 2021, it's almost up to 95% of these cases go undiagnosed. Sleep apnea, I talk to my patients a lot about this. This is much like having high blood pressure. A lot of patients don't know that they have it. And a lot of patients don't think that they feel any differently. And that's why it doesn't generally get addressed and it doesn't get reported. Oftentimes, what I can see with sleep apnea is I can see that there could be a suspicion of a sleep-related breathing disorder just by looking in a patient's mouth. An examination with me will include questions regarding sleep, such as, do you snore? Does anybody tell you that you've snored? Have you ever woken yourself up gasping, gasping for air? Do you ever wake up feeling like your heart's racing? Do you dream? Do you have to get up throughout the night to go to the restroom? When you wake up, do you feel like you're ready to go? Do you need an alarm to wake up? Can you take a nap in the afternoon? All of these things can be related. Then I also look in a patient's mouth and I can see if there are signs of wear on the teeth. I look at where the patient's tongue sits. I look at then if you stick your tongue out at me, can I see down into your airway or does your tongue and your palate meet together? All of these things can be suggestive that when you're sleeping, that your airway could be getting blocked. Ultimately, the biggest concern is that you're not getting enough oxygen when you sleep, and then you're getting kicked out of the proper stages of sleep that you should have throughout the night which then leads to a slew of inflammation, risk of Alzheimer's and dementia, risk of heart attack and stroke, and the list again goes on and on. So what is obstructive sleep apnea? To break it down simply, apnea means without breath. Therefore, sleep apnea is without breath during sleep. Obstructive sleep apnea is where the tissues, the muscles, the tongue, Everything in the upper airway starts to close in, and that's what cuts off the airway. There's also a different type of sleep apnea called central sleep apnea. This is something that I can't necessarily screen for other than through a sleep study, but what that is is that's where the brain actually is not telling the body to breathe. This is where a sleep physician is very helpful in making sure that we have adequate screening is going to help make sure that we get the patients to where they need to be based off of what type of apnea they have. To put this visually, this is obstructive sleep apnea. So on the far left, if you look back to the, where the back of the tongue is, so if you're looking kind of towards the bottom of the screen, what you're seeing here is you're seeing the palate and you're seeing the epiglottis. The epiglottis is what closes off to make sure that 
you don't have food and everything going down the wrong pipe. So in a normal breathing, you see how much space there is. Air can get through the nose, it can go down, and air can get through the mouth and it can go down. If somebody's snoring, what starts to happen is the back of the palate, is, we call that the soft palate. There's no bony support there. It really is just tissue that hangs out back there. That starts to vibrate and it starts to hit throughout the back of the mouth and that starts to cause our vibration and noise. Snoring is not normal. Everybody thinks, oh, well, I just snore a little bit. It's actually not normal and it really needs to be evaluated. If anything, we need to rule out sleep apnea, but then from there we need to determine what can we do to help prevent more snoring. This can cause a lot of irritation in the back of the throat. It can cause raspy voices. It can cause sore throats. There's a lot of things that even just snoring alone can do. Now in the far right of the screen, that's obstruction. So you can see here, no air can get through either the nose or the mouth. The palate is completely pushed back to the back of the throat. Epiglottis is closed off and the tongue is blocking everything. This is where when I talk about tongue size and I talk about where and I talk about how it looks when somebody sticks their tongue out. These are the things that I can see that there could be a risk of obstruction when I see what happens. So what are some risk factors for obstructive sleep apnea. Number one is having a higher BMI. And so people who are overweight are at higher risk. Again, a neck size, which is generally those that are overweight, or also we actually see this a lot in like a football player who has a large neck size because they lift a lot of weights or weightlifters in general. If your neck side is, is greater than 15 inches for women and 17 inches for men, that does put you at greater risk. Males are more likely up until when a female hits menopausal age. Then males and females are at the same likelihood. Snoring. Having any trouble breathing through your nose. So mouth breathing is also not a normal thing. So we do evaluate that and we wanna make sure that people are able to breathe through their nose okay. Hypothyroidism. Hypothyroidism might cause obstructive sleep apnea. And what can start to happen is you start to get proteins deposited in the upper airway. This then can decrease the nerve output of the airway of the upper airway muscles, and that can lead them to start to collapse as well, which prevents your control of your airway. I mentioned women with menopause. So what happens here is muscle tone decreases, which can lead to greater collapsibility of the airway as well. Also hormone production slows down, and that can cause different fat deposition in your neck and can increase neck size, which again increases the risk of sleep apnea and obstruction. Family history, and then also those, all of those things that I discussed that I start to watch and observe. What we see through many studies that have been done is that extreme sleep deprivation will kill a human. We've seen this in a study done with flies and rodents, and they actually died within weeks when they weren't allowed to sleep. Humans 
for us, it happens and you can die within months to years if you have no sleep. What we ultimately know is that untreated sleep apnea will take 12 to 15 years off your life in mild to moderate cases. And for untreated severe sleep apnea, it's fatal. It's just a matter of when. Mild and moderate sleep apnea can be treated with an oral appliance, and most oftentimes it should be. Dentists are the only people who can legally fabricate an oral appliance. So the very important thing to know about this is there's things that you can buy on Amazon. There's other things that you can do that claim that they're going to do the same thing. The biggest concern is that you do not have a care provider monitoring what's going on. There are risks of these types of therapies and you need somebody who's well-trained in it to be able to know what to do. I mentioned that I am a diplomat with the American Board of Dental Sleep Medicine. What that means is I've taken extensive continuing care and I've actually passed a board exam to be able to have that status. Now you don't have to have somebody that has the status that I do. However, you do want to make sure that you have somebody who has been trained in oral appliance therapy. This is not just like putting a night guard in somebody's mouth. There's a lot that goes into this. So you want to make sure that you have somebody who knows what they're doing and somebody who's going to collaborate with your physician to make sure that we're doing follow-up sleep studies to test that the oral appliance is effective and that we're knowing what to do if it's not. CPAP is the gold standard to treat obstructive sleep apnea, especially in severe cases. Now, what comes with this is that some patients just can't tolerate a CPAP. Either the mask is leaking, they're having an allergic reaction, they feel claustrophobic, they travel a lot and they can't travel with a CPAP. There's many different reasons that that happens. Of course, if I have patients that are able to wear their CPAP all night, every night, absolutely, please do so. If you feel that that is not something that can happen, then that's when we start to look into oral appliance. Then that's where we also feel that having something is better than nothing. Of course, we want to be able to reduce your sleep apnea to zero, but we realize that, again, that may not be something that's sustainable. Ultimately, you need to feel comfortable, but we still need to treat the condition. So we've discussed a lot today. We've heard about how gum disease affects our overall health. We've heard about what the mouth-body connection is and why it matters. Ultimately, we want to reduce chronic inflammations. We want to help patients be healthier and happier overall. There's also a significant financial savings through preventative care versus catastrophic or reactive care. This is a goal for many of us providers just in the medical community in general of how do we transition to this preventative care versus reactive care. And when we start to look at the financial aspect of this, it's phenomenal of what preventative care can do and how it can not only save our patients money, but overall save healthcare money in general. So now I invite you with this new knowledge to make this connection, the mouth body connection. We want you to be able to be an advocate for your own care. You deserve comprehensive care, collaboration, access to screening and testing, that can help prevent chronic disease. My challenge for you 
is to please join me in committing to being aware of how you feel, recognizing when things aren't right, and advocating for your health. The more information you share with your providers, the more we can work together to help everyone get the comprehensive care they deserve. By you doing this, we can work in a more preventative environment versus catastrophic care, and you can save money in healthcare costs. Thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to hopefully getting to meet some of you in person. Of course, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. My website also has more information on the mouth-body connection and some more links that are available to you. Please feel free to take a look at that. And of course, we're always accepting new patients. Thanks and have a great day. The Sauna Health and Wellness Podcast is brought to you by Atagi Plastic Surgery and Atagi Skin Aesthetics. Check us out at atagimd.com. A-T-A-G-I-M-D.com. We offer plastic surgery, skin aesthetics, non-surgical treatments, and hormone therapy. Some of the many things we offer include Botox, dermal fillers, Exilis Skin Tightening, Kybella, Skin Aesthetics, All Therapy, Vanquish Fat Reduction, PRP Hair Restoration, PRP Breast Lift, and Hormone Health. Follow us on our website at atagimd.com to learn about all of our specials and events each month. Some of our specials include monthly discounts off products and services or wrinkle-free Wednesdays. Check us out at atagimd.com. Thank you.